Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast that tells our stories of starting and running our float centers. And we love providing tips and insights along the way, sharing all of our ups and downs, all that good stuff. Welcome to our preventative building maintenance episode where Lance, Amy, and I are going to go into all of our um, kind of the, the schedules that we've built to maintain our float centers and just also what are the things that break down, why are they breaking down, all of that stuff. So I'm excited to get into that Uh Hopefully, I have the most maintenance only because I've been around for five years and not uh, because we just did a terrible job. So we'll find out on today's episode about that. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Art of the Float and join the conversation by leaving a speak pipe on artofthefloat.com. If you want to share some maintenance uh, stories of your own with us on a future episode, just go ahead and uh, click the gold bar on the left side of the screen on our uh, webpage, uh, leave a message, and uh, we'll play it on the show. And it doesn't, if you're listening to this episode later on, you can still leave a message and we'll always, we'll always play it. Uh, I'm Dylan. I own the float shop with Sandra Calm in the float, uh, excuse me, I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon. I'm joined with Amy of Float Nashville and Lance of the Float Shack in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. And uh, just a few uh, little things here. If you're interested in consulting with us, uh, click on the consulting tab on artofthefloat.com and click on the uh, recommended products page. Uh, if you're interested in helping support us with the Amazon click-through links, uh, if you bookmark your Amazon page, any purchases you make in the future, we'll just go uh, go ahead and throw up just, just a couple shuckles our way and we uh, genuinely appreciate it. One other heads up is that we are having our marketing planning roundtable May 17th. You want to go to artofthefloat.com forward slash roundtable for that one. And again, you can just go all over our website to find all the all the cool things we have going on. But uh, the marketing planning one, I think, is going to be awesome. I think they're all awesome. Uh, but uh, I think marketing is just the one where I, I don't know that we all necessarily need to be better at it, but I'll say that I need to be better at it. And so um, I know Amy's going to be leading the way on this one. So I'm excited to, to learn a whole lot. And of course, Lance and I will also be bringing our stuff to the table and as well. I just want to say, if you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if you know someone who doesn't need to get better at marketing, please, uh, right. please send them our <laughs> way because I'd love to have them on the podcast. Yeah, that's an excellent point. But, but you know, I, I feel somewhat like the flow industry in some way, like when we first started out, it was like word of mouth. Word of mouth is going to, is going to send people your way. You build it, they will come. It's that type of thing. And now I feel like, and maybe because there's more industry saturation, but it's like, you know what? We actually need to market like professionals here. And I don't think we're the, as a whole, the industry, I don't think is the best at that is, is my personal opinion. And, you know, we're so focused inward and maybe I'm just talking about the flow shop here, but we're so focused inwardly on building the space that, I mean, when we first opened, we, we did not market. And, and to this day we have almost zero dollars in advertising uh, spent, which, which doesn't necessarily mean that we aren't advertising or, or marketing, um, but uh, could we be doing more? How do we want to spend our money to get more bang for our buck? And let's face it, uh, we're all super busy. We're Most split right. centers are run by just a handful of people, and we are juggling a lot of stuff on our plates. So... Um, this is gonna. This next uh, roundtable is gonna be great. It's gonna show us how we can plan and how we can be more efficient with our time. And we all need that. We right. all need to make the most of what little time we have and That's the resources true. that we have. It's tough. It's true. And get people in those float tanks. Yeah. Uh, also, want to give a shout out to Floataway. www.floataway.com is where you want to go to check out all of their different float tanks. They're the ones that make the float around. Justin Feinstein is using those for his his float research. 
They've been in, sold in 49 different uh, countries, uh, including the USA. So, I mean, uh, they, they've been around. They're, they're, they're everywhere as well. It's pretty incredible. Uh, the founder is qualified, experienced, developed engineer. He knows what he's doing. It's, it's really cool. And, and they're also, I think, really pushing the envelope for what a float tank can be. And, and they've been doing that for quite some time. Floataway.com, again, is where you want to go to check them out. All right. How are you guys doing? How are your weeks going? fantastic yeah it's just the love between the hosts tonight again by the way which is always nice to uh, it's great having guests every week but it's really nice just to talk to you guys it's just good to <laughs> to see you good to catch up good therapy yeah yeah it's, exactly it's our <laughs> therapy night exactly uh lance i know you've been doing house remodeling i think you started working back at the at the shop uh, the shop <laughs> at uh boy <laughs> at uh, the shack <laughs> My God, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to let you take it away, Lance. I got nothing. Yeah, yeah. I took, a, as mentioned, I think over the last few podcasts, but I took a few weeks off to remodel my house because I'm selling it and getting something that fits my entrepreneurial lifestyle a little bit more. But back at work, doing the grind, getting people in the float tanks, and uh, it's all good. Um, we're just changing some things up lately, and, um, you know, for us, um, we normally would do all of our maintenance on Mondays. So we're open every day of the week, except for Mondays where we shut down and we spend the day changing filters, scrubbing tanks, scrubbing showers, scrubbing trim walls, um, floors, restocking, doing all that jazz. Mm -hmm. um, who, who's doing, doing that? Just the um, two of you or do you have employees nope, with you? There's usually three of us there. So it's, uh, Matthew, myself and, uh, Bruce. So our employees. Nice. So, um, usually it's us three and, um, we spend the day tackling that, but we've been doing that ever since we opened up and it's the same thing every Monday. And over time, you know, things need to be fixed in the building and that takes time and, and, um, the upkeep for that. And it gets harder and harder when you're, you know, you spend X amount of hours during that day doing all the maintenance to gear up to start a construction project or a paint project or, uh, anything like that. So, um, we sort of discussed that we're going to change up our our maintenance a little bit. We're going to try and divide our maintenance throughout the week. So we have oh. different times where rooms are shut down or staggered for uh -huh. um, just ease of um, uh, our employees. So we can, instead of having two employees at all the time, um, we can stagger it with one employee and we take a couple blocks out throughout the day. But we're hoping um, we can get somebody, one of us will come in and sort of change the filter, do all the scrubbing, mm -hmm. the, the normal Monday stuff um, throughout the week. Nice. And that gives us a free day pretty much, which is Monday. And nice. uh, we want to use that day for all of our constructions, all of our projects, Got all it. of our like start checking these things off the list that have, has ever so slowly been building and growing. And you start to overlook it and you see something that needs to be fixed and you just, you know, you sort of push it in the corner and walk by it and walk by it. But there comes You're a right. point where yep. it's like, okay, I need to make <laughs> the time to do this. And sometimes you need to find out how you're going to fit this time in there. And this is something that, that we've came up with to 
hopefully make things a lot more efficient and effective and and run smoother and cleaner at the flow shack nice so. and i thought you were going to say you, you were going to use mondays for finally catch up on game of thrones but no it's it's <laughs> flow shop maintenance got it got it that that is the truth right there's not enough downtime in the week because we want to be open so much to get all this stuff done of just the upkeep and then funny enough the the topic for today the maintenance too mm -hmm. and then like expansions is another thing yeah, like we, we got going to uh, yesterday and we got a whole bunch of projects just knocked off the list, like resealing our doors for better soundproofing, nice. getting tr like some trim on, some touch-up paint, repairing some of the salt damage in the rooms. And it felt good to get those things off the list. But, you know, going back to our normal Monday, you know, by the time 2 or 3 o'clock runs around, you've been mm -hmm. scrubbing tanks and, and float rooms all day. It, it's hard to want to gear up and, you know, grab the saws, grab the wood, grab the paint, right. mix the paint. Yeah. Oh, I need to eat supper. Oh, and then it's six o'clock and you're, yep. you're fatigued. And then next thing you know, you're just wandering around and getting nothing done because you're, you're like tired. <laughs> so so <true>. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little more efficient yesterday. So um, I will continue to update everyone on how our uh, maintenance Monday um, revamping, I guess, um, is going. But nice. so far, it feels good. <laughs> All right. Lance's vamping episode. I'm excited. Cool. <laughs> Amy, how about you? How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, I just had a had a really busy day, but a really fun day. We did some we did something we haven't done in a while, uh, and it was kind of new, and that is we gave a tour of the float center today. So, um, with my background, I do teach massage therapy, and I teach the hydrotherapy class from time to time. Uh, and part of the curriculum at the massage school I teach is coming to tour the float tank. So we're really used to my massage students coming in. Uh, but lately, we've been getting a lot of requests from other colleges. Now, I live in the middle of Nashville, the Athena of the South. We have so many colleges in our city. It's not even funny. I mean, it's insane amount. So um, nice. it really has, I, you know, all right, I admit that I kind of poo-pooed the the college students, I mean, we do offer a college student discount, but I really was like, you know, is that really a, a target market I want to go after, that sort of thing? Is that someplace where I want to spend time on? Not that they're not fantastic, but we, we realized our first year and a half, I think we had a total of three college students in. Wow. And awesome. what it was is their parents had bought them a, a gift right. card or a three <laughs> pack sure. for, for Christmas, um, which is cool, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but uh, I got an email out of the blue from uh, one of the professors at my alma mater who asked if she could, she could bring her class in. And her class was an exercise science class um, on alternative modalities. And the way they found us is they had happened to do a tour at the cryotherapy, Music City Cryo, which is a cryotherapy place here in town. Fantastic people. I adore them so much. And they saw our brochure sitting out. So she looked into it and thought it would be a really great fit for her class. And sure enough, they came. I got to share some history of the float tank, got to share some stories. We got to talk a little science. We got to talk a little hydrotherapy. Um, and as a teacher, someone who, who teaches that, that, that is really a joy to me. That is so much fun. And it's fun to be with college students. We just had a blast. And on the way out, she talked to me. She's like, you know, this would be really great for my rehabilitation class. Do you mind if we make an appointment I'd like to bring them as well well of course absolutely um and then on top of I don't know it I don't want to say when it rains it pours that 
that uh, says there's something negative going on, but um, we had another professor from another university contact us and ask if they could come and tour. Uh, and also, it's leading to some speaking opportunities. Oh, cool. And uh, it has been an unexpected marketing opportunity. So it's true that perhaps maybe they're not going to be spending as much money with us, which is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But they are just a joy to be around, very inquisitive, lots mm -hmm. of questions, and ready to spread the spread the love. And I'm particularly thrilled that these are uh, exercise science students. Um, we're getting some um, some other science students from another university. And, you know, these are people that in the future, who knows where they'll end up. And they've had a hopefully a very positive association now with float tanks. And, you know, it's nice to put that out into the world. And who knows where it might lead. If they stay awesome. in town, even better, future floaters. Uh, but yeah, exactly. I've really enjoyed it. And it turned into, a, like I said, a marketing opportunity I did not expect. So much fun. Yeah, like you said, when it rains, it pours. My goodness. Yeah. But, uh, planting seeds. Nice work. <laughs> so, yeah. In, now, we have to close because we're so tiny. We do have to close down our float center to do this. Mm -hmm. And that kind of made me a little nervous at first. But it's been worth. We just make sure it's in the afternoon or slower time. We keep trying to get them in on Mondays <laughs> during right? clean time. And nobody seems to have classes on Monday. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. Uh, I think it's worth it. Have you all done any of this? Surely I'm not. We're yeah. not the only one. Yeah, we have, and I. Um, it's awesome. Uh, but mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, the, the biggest issue I have is that we do have to shut down mm -hmm. basically to do it, and that's that part's a little frustrating. Um, yeah. But uh, or and you know we, I think we have ch charged schools even to to do it, but it's at a, a very large discount. So, mm -hmm. um, but like you said, it's so much fun that it's like mm -hmm. oh man, you know, like half of your day or something like that of financially compared to like just the excitement. And again, brand awareness, all that stuff that's, you know, I guess businessy, but really just like people are geeking out on this stuff. And yeah. I mean, if you start me talking about floating, I don't stop. It's bad. So, yeah. uh, and they actually <laughs> want to hear me talk about it even after, you know, 30 minutes. So that's, that's always fun for me. And we do follow it up with uh, half off uh, coupons. So oftentimes oh, nice. if they got excited, actually today we had two students make appointments before they left after their tour. So, uh, yeah, so we're hoping Perfect. to at least make, you know, some sort of money from yeah. it. And we do, by the way, learned my lesson from Lance, I believe. Uh, we put on it. Uh, it's only good for uh, Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursdays during the daytime. <laughs> but they get 50% nice. off. Nice. Very cool. Nice. Students float cheap, but on these particular days, mm -hmm. uh, or those, those particular coupons. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Then that's the one they're just handed out to anyone who's toured with us, to the students who've toured nice. with us. And, and, and way to take advantage nice. of them coming in, like smart, right? If somebody's stepping foot in your business, like you should, there should be some something to connect them to actually purchasing, floating. Yeah, and they're excited nice. about it. They're curious at that point. Everything's, mm -hmm. you know, that their curiosity has been piqued. So it was, mm -hmm. it's been really fun, and it's turning into. Uh, a lot more than I than I thought it could be. So that's like I imagine leaving a brewery tour and not getting to taste the beer. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. No joke. Yeah, I guess for ours they aren't so much tours as they are like we're blocking out the day to actually float people. So like there are tours and they tend to take longer than normal tours. So we're like we're not on that tight schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, but they they do go in for floats. Although I think we have done hour long floats because of scheduling instead of the the ninety minute. Nice. Uh, which, you know, sample the beer, have them uh, yeah. want more. 
And that's true. Now we don't we don't we only close down for one block of time. So yeah. like today we closed from one to three. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just cool. one float that we missed to minimize that. But nice. Um, that that's all right. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that's not so bad for sure. Well, I want to keep up with your guys' maintenance talk, but I don't have a whole lot. I I think it was last week I replaced the pump. I already talked about that. So um, just hearing a quiet pump, like a brand new pump, is so nice and refreshingly like, oh, that's what it's supposed to sound like. Um, and then today I did replace a light switch, which was always always a nice moment of like taking off the, the front panel and then blowing in it and just being caked with Epsom salt. Like, damn, that's right. You, you got to keep the maintenance up on these things. Oi. Uh, oh, uh, photography. Uh, there was a float collective thing um, October or November of last year talking about um, uh, basically like acquiring photos for the float community community to use. And so um, I've been taking a lot of pictures of people in float tanks and just trying to get all sorts of different cool angles and lighting and trying to think outside of just the float shop's warm colors, but also like get some really clean white light on people as well. And it is exhausting. Oh my God, it is ridiculous. Um, First of all, it usually takes up the entire float, about two hours of time uh, per person. And I'm a sweaty mess because it's a it's a warm room and I'm moving all over the place. My back hurts and uh, it's really funny. I mean, they can't hear you, so you work out a series of taps and things like that to communicate and um, getting over the awkwardness of like grabbing onto somebody and moving them around the tank. Because at a certain point, it's like, listen, I just need you over here so I can get this angle. Like, I, I just got to get past it. So uh, it's been fun. It's been work. And I'm excited to share those with the community. And I, I do, um, and you guys, actually, I'm curious what you guys think about this because I've only talked to one other person about this. But uh, because I'm putting so much time into it, I started thinking maybe it would be nice to charge for some of these pictures. What do you guys think about some uh, for free, like just industry, here's... Uh, photos for everybody and then if you would like more or different I don't know photoshopped ones or something like that here a couple bucks to to pay for them for the community I I believe that's a completely different thing than you know what the flow collective was asking for they wanted like you know the free photos or free photos that Mm -hmm. everyone could use but I'm sure if you want to sell your photos to you know any of the you know Getty images or anything like that I think that would be great but I I don't know if it'd be the right approach to, you know, try and grab a buck out of the float community for something that was put together for, um, you know, free. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. I don't know. I think yep. that that little community folder is great and it's it's excellent for any of those people um, that are starting their float centers or don't even have a float tank yet that want to get going. But um, I don't know. Emmy, what are your thoughts? And I have a slightly different take where um, I think it's great to contribute to that community folder. I think that's amazing. Uh, and I think that's extremely generous and kind. But I am I am with Lance in that I think the better way to go about it is to use like Getty Images or, or uh, some of the stock photo sites. Um, that kind of removes you from the... From the uh, situation it allows people to you know pick and choose what they want and it still benefits you because you've certainly taken the time mm-hmm. and you've uh, you know cost you to block off that room during floats so I think that's important to get to get money for that and quite frankly these days there are people who specialize in stock photos for different industries mm-hmm. uh, because people are needing them for their uh, 
for their uh, social media. And that said, some of these pictures too, you want to hold back because I, while I appreciate the generosity of the, of the float community putting all those photos in there, because, you know, remember when we first started out and the only pictures that everybody <laughs> had was like the girl in the white bathing suit, the long hair. I mean, it's, it was yep, like, yep. oh man, if I saw that picture one more time, <laughs> I, I wanted to cry. Um, oh, so cute. I think it's certainly, you're certainly, you're doing a given a big help to our community. But at the same time, mm. remember to hold some of those back because when you think about branding and you know you think about your social media, it is important that you have some very unique content to put out there. So you might want to keep that in mind too as you're going through those mm -hmm. pictures. And for people utilizing that, that nice uh, amount of the, the nice uh, folder of pictures that's on there, I think it's great to utilize that in certain situations, mm -hmm. but also remember too, it's super important to have some good photography done of your space mm -hmm. for your use. Um, I think it's super important uh, and mm -hmm. something that we have a tendency to, to forget sometimes. Well, uh, may I ask about the, the Getty images? So what, as opposed to like me selling it on my own website, why why Getty Images, or as opposed to people from our industry, like being able to go to my website and being able to click it for you know two bucks or something like that? Why? I'm curious. Well, for lots of reasons. Number one, you have a much wider audience hmm. mm -hmm. um, that is going to uh, need those photos, and you might end up discovering other places where those photos can be used. So. Uh, it could be uh, to your benefit that way. And also, you don't have to worry about uh, collecting money. You don't have mm -hmm. to worry about if there's any issues with the downloads. You don't have to think about that at all. You could just keep loading, uploading images and seeing which ones work mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. actually finding a nice little niche market out of it. I think there's bigger potential on those sites for mm -hmm. that because there's not much float, there's not much float photography. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's needed. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a niche. What I see with the Float Collective is it's, you know, been on there for a long time and it's not really a place. I don't want to see it turn into a place where people just start selling things um, across, you know, whatever it is. Like we sort of want to try and keep that side of things out of Float Collective. Um, it's still it's still there. Um, but, you know, it'd just be weird if everyone started selling things on on that group. But hmm. maybe that's just my opinion of it. But you are an admin. <laughs> Sorry, Engineer Brian. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think taking yourself out of it and and putting it on a platform to handle that is a good idea. Plus, I mean, there's people. Your target market is people who are in the float industry looking for float stuff for marketing. There may be people writing. There may be journalists writing articles right. on floating um, and right. stock images. Um, I don't know if Getty Images is still the the hottest hottest kid on the block. Mm. Um, you could look at Shutterstock or iStock Photo. Um, those are some other ones um, that I'm aware of. Cool. And so for anybody listening, if they do want to sell the photos that you're taking, I guess this would be information for you. Um, and yeah, I think also just uh, what Amy said, like we do need just more float pictures too. Just more. Mm -hmm. More, more people in float tanks, more and and diverse people in float tanks. There's just well, it's hard. I mean, just the lighting and everything is shockingly difficult in those damn float rooms. It's mm -hmm. so not designed for for pleasant photography. So uh, there's there's a reason why there's not a lot out there. 
It's very true. Photography, you're dealing with water, you're dealing with reflective surfaces, you're trying to mm -hmm. get the lighting right. It is some of the most difficult things. And that's why we've gone through so many photographers. It's really hard to find a photographer who knows how to do lighting and how to photograph mm -hmm. tanks correctly. It's been a struggle. And yeah, the, the, like Amy said, the photographers that do come in and really can get the amazing photos, someone's going to be paying for that. If I'm hiring some, a photographer and they have these amazing mm. photos and I end up paying X amount, a hundred dollars for them, um, that's hard for me just to, you know, get that away versus someone who's an amateur photographer that, you know, it's hard to figure out your camera, your lighting, your angles, things like that. Professional can really really hammer it off but you're going to pay for that and it's it's hard to just give those images out for free yeah because you're talking you're talking several thousand yeah. uh, for a good photographer mm -hmm. and i'll yeah, i'll be in small business yeah. <laughs> it's right that, yeah. that's a lot of pennies yeah for sure it does seem to add up doesn't it um, let's see here before we move. Thank you guys for your input. I really appreciate it. And I have no idea what I'm actually going to end up doing. I just <laughs> realized it was taking up so much of my time doing this. I was like, huh, I guess I could be totally selfless here and just put, put these out there. Uh, or would it might actually feel better for me to get something, something back for, for all this work too. Um, and where's the balance that I want to have, of course, is, is the question for me. Yeah. And it goes with your intention of it too. If you're doing it as a hobby, or if you're doing it with intention to make a buck, you know, it's how much time do you want to spend on it? What's the return for you? Mm -hmm. Well, it has been fun. It is work, but it is fun also. I, I love photography. And so this is just such an odd, different type of challenge. Again, it's just such a unique environment to photograph in. Uh, let's see here. So um, I want to give a shout out to Float Helm before we move on to our main topic here. And uh, I think we've covered everything that Float Helm does on, on the show, although I don't know that we've ever talked about the ordering program that it has, but whether it's ordering products, balancing your till, uh, maintaining all the numbers for your float tanks, float rooms, uh, you can track you know, hydrogen peroxide level, salt level, how deep it is, all of that. You've got log books for ongoing discussions uh, with all of your employees. You've got an employee guide, so if you want to... Um, basically have your entire manual accessible right there. Uh, it's all built into this one and also, you know, shift schedule, uh, uh, client booking, all that stuff is booked into one tab, which is actually a surprisingly nice thing. Uh, when you've got all these, your employees are looking at all these different tabs and people like them in different orders, all that stuff, then it, it just slows down your workflow and for everything to be built right in, it's always in the same place where you're going to it makes it so freaking convenient. So floathelm.com is where you want to go to check it out. And, uh, yeah, www.floathelm.com. All right. Preventative and reactive building maintenance. Let's dive into that. Um, Lance, this was the topic that you wanted to, to dive into. So I'm going to hand it off to you first of where you want to, where you want to guide this. Cause, uh, whew, there's a lot to cover. Yeah, no, I was, um, I just bring it up because like I just mentioned, um, we're, we're switching up how we do our maintenance a little bit because, um, we do have things that we, you know, sort of schedule in that needs to be done, but sometimes we don't hit those deadlines or those targets, whether it's, you know, X reason. Um, 
but I'm curious what you guys are doing. And um, Dylan, you've been operating over five years. I'm sure you've had some things break, some tiles fall off, some some paint bubble. Amy, you're over three years, almost four years, I think. Um, yeah, what what have you guys done? How do you do those? Do you do you wait till something falls off the wall? Do you shut down your floats? <laughs> do you do it at night after you shut down? Um, there, there's so many different ways to handle the maintenance that it takes to run a float center and yeah there's so many different ways to do it but i know if you don't do it it's going to cost you and it Mm -hmm. could cost you a lot including your business so um it's it's not always something that gets brought up in the industry is when you start hitting um you know getting further um, into running your float center things Mm -hmm. do break down they do break they do squeak they do fall apart and um you gotta pay for it again. It costs money. Yeah, I think that's uh, and actually, Lance, I think you might have brought this up. Uh, I can't remember if it was on the mic or not, but just the idea that you know there's like this break-even amount in a float center that you want to hit, but then there's the the unexpected. There's the fact that your tire tiles are liquefying because of Epsom salt. You know, this it break-even is also upkeep on your business and maintaining it. And depending on what you're using, it can happen really quickly or it can happen over a couple of years, but degradation totally happens and maintenance has to happen yeah um yeah do you guys generally shut down for maintenance do you you take a day off (laughs) more than a day we actually have an (laughs) annual tradition uh in fact uh our employees i'm not so sure how they feel about this annual tradition Uh. i noticed uh one of our employees jessica just posted a picture from last year's annual maintenance week and she's actually sleeping in front of a tank on a salt bag um, we were working really long hours, which oftentimes <laughs> wow. happens. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if they look forward to it, but we, we <laughs> do. April's a slow <laughs> month for us, and we do shut down. It used to be five days. We've got down to three days now. Uh, but we spend the nice. year, every time we come across things like that, that aren't horrible um, or mm-hmm. things that need to be painted, uh, especially the paint that we utilize uh, that, we utilize that has the, the really – noxious smell Mm -hmm, uh, that mm -hmm. we know even a day is not enough with big fans (laughs) Um, so we have a really long list and I know that going into this month we sit down Mark and I when I say we Mark my business partner and I we sit down we make a list I make him give me the budget (laughs) and we plan we do plan financially and Lance brought up a really fantastic thing to think about is you you have to save for these things you don't know and uh, we've been hit a few years in a row with, um, you know, five, fig- five figure repairs. Um, I'll share that story a little bit later. But it, if you don't have that money set, set aside, if you don't, if you're not prepared for that, uh, that can take you under really quick. Yeah, it, that's really true. Especially when you're early on and you don't, you know, you might not be able to. If you have an SBA loan, it's really hard to get money, hard to get a loan. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to plan ahead for these things for sure. And, uh, and we do try really hard to do that. What yeah, about yourself, a- Dylan? How have you handled these things over, over the years? Have you shut down or do you do it after hours and not go to sleep for a month? Or Yeah, I guess over five years, it's a long, a long timeline. And yeah, that's, that's usually been how I do it is like, I will definitely sacrifice sleep or my own body to keep those tanks up. Like it's just always my priority. Number one is those tanks need to be open for people to get in. And I think the shop's been awesome at doing that. Um, but the 
con to that is my burnout over time and my lack of interest in then doing maintenance. And like, I love building things and I love construction. I think it's really interesting. And uh, my passion for that has, has seriously degraded because of, of like, it's just this, what that, that term, that honey-do list, except it's the shop-do list. That's like, there's just this constant roll of things to do and it's never done, it never feels satisfied. I'm losing sleep to do it and, um, yeah, and, and I think um, sometimes quality can be compromised because I'm not taking enough time to make sure this is done right or paying somebody to do it. And so it comes across as amateur or something like that to, to get it done. So um, I think over time, we're getting better at that. I wish Emily, uh, our lead at the float shop, was on today's episode. She could really be honest about how, how she feels about that. Maybe we'll bring her on soon. But, uh, um, you know, we're not great at having a budget. And that's the goal that I've wanted to have for the float shop for in 2017 is making sure that every single month, I mean, it could be 50 bucks if you're a new float center, whatever, or it can be $500 if, if you're crushing it, that's great, or more. Uh, but the idea of, I need you to spend this money. And if it's you know more than $500, if that's your cap, then uh, go ahead and pen that out for, for the following month and you can pay somebody a thousand bucks to hang all your doors or whatever. But just like, this the shop should always be looking better and it should always as opposed to like a slow degradation it should be constantly kind of reinventing itself i think was it like subway does a new branding every two years like you you walk in and what's that keep going uh it looks like a subway one one year a couple years later it's all brick and they just keep refreshing it not that i want to do hold it different types of paint and all that stuff but just it should look fresh every time you're never going to have that brand new car look uh, you know for for more than you know six months but just maintaining that upkeep so that it looks like the place is maintained is becoming a priority as we as we get older and things like tiles are cracking and uh, grout is coming up on our floorings those kind of things yeah a big a big question for all this here is is i was doing some reflecting and sort of thinking about um I've seen people start a float center and within two or three years, they're starting another float center and they're doing that. And my question is, is to these people is float centers take a lot of upkeep and they take a lot of this maintenance. The salt is a killer. Um, If you're like, we all, I think all of us on this podcast are putting in the sweat equity to do these upgrades. We're doing it ourselves. We're shutting down. We're taking the time or, you know, like, like Dylan doing it after hours, whatever these things are. Um, how do you do that with multiple locations? Um, are you going mm. to be the one going there and fixing everything? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to be having the budget and the, you know, the schedule and hiring contractors to do that? Because if mm-hmm. you're going to do that, that is thousands. Mm-hmm. Amy said five digits. If you're getting contractors in and all this, that could be six digits. So I'm very curious how even other people in the industry, especially those that have multiple locations, um, and a lot of them are still under that three-year mark, um, even a lot of these franchises may be hitting three or four years now. Um, how are they foreseeing and projecting these maintenances? And um, what does it reflect on a float center when these maintenances aren't upkept and a float center is falling apart, you know? Yeah. All these things, um, there's a lot to think of that I, I sometimes feel like is is overlooked, especially those that are really, really excited and, 
in starting a center and you're so focused on that business plan, the initial construction. And even when you do your projections, your three, five, 10 year projections, whatever you do, mm -hmm. uh, this maintenance may be coming up a lot quicker than you projected. <laughs> yeah. I can kind of guarantee that's the truth. <laughs> uh, and, and actually I want to add on to what you said, just jumping back to, we, we mentioned flow facilitators earlier. Um, I, I'm going to try to say this in a way where I don't come across like a big old jerk, but uh, people will say, I'm using this for my flooring, or I'm using this as a door, and it's awesome. It's the best. And sometimes I'll ask, and sometimes I won't, but you'll notice that sometimes I'll ask a follow-up question, which is, how long have you been open? Uh, because that is a very telling, uh, if, if you think you have flooring that is just the bee's knees, uh, that's great, but unless you've had... I mean, minimum a year, but I would say at two years is when I'm really going to start listening. Um, then I'm not sure that I believe that you have the bee's knees, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure how that necessarily <laughs> comes across, but, mm -hmm. but that, that's certainly how I view it. And I think this industry's seen a lot of that. Um, the initial education, we sort of followed, followed the footsteps of other mm -hmm. people like, mm -hmm. You know, because the industry was so such a small community and, mm -hmm. you know, four or five years ago um, that some of these people are seeing now, OK, that wasn't a good decision. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. And and even now you look at how float centers were built four years ago and how float centers are now. And there are two different beasts. Now. Absolutely. Like, um, I know by the time we were finished our construction, we're like, OK, I would have changed this and this and this and this. <laughs> and it's X amount of years now. But yeah, it's. It's not always the big things. It's the little things that need to be scheduled in and thought of too. Um, you know, retouch up paints on corners from you know people walking by and mopping and cleaning and um, doors that need to be readjusted. I don't know building shift around here from severe weather changes, but things shift and doors need to be readjusted and you know soundproofing upgrades and isolation mm -hmm. upgrades and. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just feels like it goes on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, and, I totally agree with you. You know, the other funny thing is I've noticed that as we go along, when we first opened, I was like, oh, everything has to be so pretty. Now I'm like, I don't give a crap. Put FRP <laughs> up there. I want you right. to like put that epoxy yeah. like 10 feet up the last. wall. I, I don't care. I just <laughs> want it to not mess up. Yeah, yeah. that's Priority shift. Because like certainly do shift, you know, say you build a shower and it costs you $3,000 from day one, you're getting your float center, you, you run for a year, all of a sudden you have to shut down to do that shower. When you have to shut down to that shower, you got to rip it out. You have to rebuild whatever's behind it. Say you tile it, you have to tile it. The tiles have to set, you know, they have to cure, you have to grout. That has to cure. You have to seal it. That has to cure. You have to reseal it. That has to cure. Like, you know, something that may only take eight or 10 hours ends up taking you two or three days, not yeah. to mention if you have to paint with some of these paints because they're, they're so smelly, like Amy was saying. Like, ugh. and that $3,000 shower that you're rebuilding, now you're shutting down for four or five days. And that could be upwards to 50 floats that you're shutting down. Mm -hmm. So add that loss of revenue onto the cost of the shower, but your bills aren't waiting for you either. <laughs> you still got to pay your rent. You still got to pay everything else. Um, so it's... And in Lance, our I, you're not going to out of the park. I, 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 that is absolutely <laughs> true. Like anybody who doesn't own a float center right now, 
it, take note. Like what Lance is saying is absolutely true. And for anybody who does own one, they're just nodding their head rigorously or crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Amy, go ahead. No, and I was going to say the other thing too, in our float center, we do bring in to make things go faster. We do bring in employees if they want to not lose their hours. We welcome them to come in and work. So we have to take into consideration, okay, we're still paying <laughs> salaries. We're still paying Dang, overhead. $3,000 showers, yep. five digits. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which is the truth. Which is why it's like it used to be one whole week that we were closed, and now it's like, holy crap, Mark, you got to get this done in three days. I have to have you <laughs> promise me three days, not a, not another second. So and I'm true. I'm over there like, how many how many more minutes? <laughs> what are you doing? Do you have this scheduled? Yeah. And, oh, and we talk about amazing. the naivete of like people thinking that opening a float center <laughs> is going to be easy. Like you plug in a float tank and then you make money, mm. and and we all know that's not true. But I mean, seriously, like. You put down a massage table, you have a massage room at its most basic, you know, and then you don't have anything destroying the actual property, you know. So, yeah, like this, just that damn Epsom salt is just uh, an absolute beast. <laughs> and, you know, if you're running a multiple tank center, you can't just, okay, I'll shut down yes. tank one here and do construction <laughs> all day and then tank two and three will still, nope. No, you I'll can't just drill in some extra sheetrock yeah. on the ceiling during floats. Yeah. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're dealing with noise. So. Oh, yeah. That doesn't make it easy. <laughs> Vibrations, too. <laughs> um, Anything that, you do, it's great. You know, that's, that's a goal for, I know some people in this industry, especially when they're starting their float centers, is they want to one day be able to step away from their center and let it run itself. And thinking about how to put this all in our manual and, you know, predict. So every mm. six months, instead of our tiles, instead of our tiles going, losing our grout, all this, what are we going to do to prevent that? So every six months, we are going to reseal the shower. Nice. Um, well, I'm just, just something I'm talking. Yep, I'm not saying gotcha. this is what I we're gotcha. actually doing. So we're going to reseal the shower. What does that take? So we'll have to... We'll have to dry out. So overnight, you need probably about 12 hours for all that moisture to get out, a heater... And then you're going to have to reseal, and that's going to have to cure. So you're shutting down for maybe two days to do something preventative, um, and hopefully that will get you another year or two um, before you have to rip out that shower. So that's just one example of something in a float center. You got your floors, you got your wall, you got your HVAC that needs to be cleaned out because it gets all dusting if you have HVAC in your center. <laughs> You have all these other things that you need that I believe should be scheduled and budgeted for, um, especially if you're somebody that wants to, um, you know, step away from your business or do a multiple center. Because if you want to be tied between two centers and two cities trying to to juggle all this, that's that's a lot of plates. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. this is things that I'm you know starting to see and learn as I get further into. Uh, being an entrepreneur and, and running a float center. so yep. I think in Float Collective this week, someone asked what are some things that they should think about as they're looking to expand. And mm -hmm. here's something they can add to their lists is how yep. are they going to maintain? Do, are, do they have the systems in place so that if they're not there, you have this consistency in not only your service, not only in your floats, but also in your business in general? Nice. Because it does. It hits you, and you don't expect the how much it's going to cost you. Mm -hmm. Just like opening a float center. Just like, <laughs> yeah. just like <laughs> opening a float center. And it takes longer. Uh, that all the uh, like you said, you're like trying to get it down as tight as you can to get your shower back up online, whatever. Like it just it it just takes longer. It's amazing 
It, it always amazes me, even though if even if I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm curious, what are the things that you guys find you have to do maintenance on? <laughs> Amy, you want to kick this off? Uh, what was that five-figure number? Yeah, so let me tell you. Let me <laughs> tell you about my annual expenditure on my floors. Um, yeah. So when we started our float center, once again, this was, you know, three and a half, almost four years ago. Uh, we are under regulations at Swimming Pool in the state of Tennessee. And one of our rules was we had to have, get this, y'all are going to laugh about this. We had to put down painted cement in our float rooms. Now, salt water and painted cement. So within a few months, the cement was actually breaking off and washing away. Mark was on his knees painting the floors two to three times a week. And they would come in. They're like, oh, there's a chip on your paint. We're going to mark you down. It's like we just painted it like, I don't know, 12 hours ago. Um, it was absolutely horrible. So we had to pay money to have them consider utilizing something else and they approved an epoxy uh flooring so we're like all right epoxy flooring we got it this is going to be awesome so they came in and they laid down the epoxy flooring within awesome which was end awesome story. right and Great. sure end of story <laughs> now that did cost us about eight thousand dollars um however less than three months later they had laid it down because our floors were uneven because the cement had washed away we started getting pockets um, and the floors were breaking up, <laughs> um, and we're like, okay, so we had to bring them back and pay another $4,000. Hmm. Then they did that. Now they still, because they didn't strip everything away, they still were laying it on the concrete next year. Same thing. Now at this point we've been in business, oh, you know, a little over a year. We've already spent, of course, whatever it costs to put the floors down to begin with and $12,000, but the floors weren't holding up. So they came in. Now, they were holding up in one of our rooms, which is why we knew we wanted to stay with the epoxy, because one of the rooms still, by the way, looks fantastic. It looks brand new. And by the way, can I just ask, they don't mm -hmm. guarantee their work? Um, well, they did, but what, okay, so we had to yeah. cut costs. <laughs> what, what happened is they um, wanted to rip up yeah. the cement. They wanted to completely yeah. uh, rip out our floors, which would have been almost double and we just couldn't there's just no way i mean we were lucky to have the money that we did um <laughs> so the next year we had to replace the floors again so we have like probably 20,000 in our floors and we're in year two and we're now putting another 10,000 into our floors now the the next time we we actually it was more than 10,000 we did it right we actually had them come in which is why last year we had to take five days off and they came in and they broke up all the cement, re-poured the cement, redid the floors. Oh, there was another incident in there where we had to pay about 2500 or so. They covered our fiberglass uh, shower basins, but there was something wrong with the basin. And the uh, wood underneath the fiberglass was rotting. So they had to oh. come in, rip out our shower oh, basins, yeah. and relay the epoxy. So, yeah, we've, we had about, you know, within two years, we had dumped over 20000 into our floors. Two years in. And a tiny three-tank sender. And, and yeah, we, I, that does seem did. like the biggest thing that flow centers are facing is is the flooring, uh, or, or historically, yeah. that's been the number one issue. Is that that beautiful Epsom salt that floats everybody is just annihilates. I will um, say, I think flooring is getting better. Do y'all think flooring is people's flooring is getting better? Do you mm -hmm. think that there's not love, the issues that, that we love, used to have? My ultramarine mm -hmm. 
flooring. I love it. Uh, I, I don't like that it's kind of like a gym floor where like it'll skid. If like you're if you wear shoes, it'll leave a mark, um, and we have to rub that out, you know. But um, yeah, that that and mind you, we haven't had it a year yet, so I can't. There's not like a whole lot of weight to what I'm saying. So, uh, but I love it. It's so easy to clean. It seems to. Like there's no buildup of salt crusties. You know when you start seeing that and you know if you don't hit that quick, it's going to start eating up whatever it is, the the grout or whatever it is. Uh, so, so far, good. so good. Well, I will what? say that uh, our we have one floor that we've had for two and a half years. You can't even tell it's two and a half years old. And thank God that the rooms that we spent so much money in, they're now a year old and there's nice. absolutely no problem. They're beautiful. So this is the first year I am not coming up with an additional ten, twelve thousand dollars to replace our floors. So we finally got it settled. But you don't know it's gonna happen when you start mm -hmm. right. your float center. You don't know if yeah. that's gonna be an issue for the most and, part. And they could potentially do a, a poor job with the installations yeah. too. Uh, mm -hmm. That's that's entirely possible. Or it could uh, be one one corner that's not sealed yep. up properly, yep. and that that corner is what gets the water, and then the the wood or whatever's underneath it, concrete starts absorbing the moisture, and mm -hmm. then you know that's how it starts. It's, it could be one little mistake. That's or why you know it's all it doesn't the absorb. Sorry, it, it seeps in and then starts expanding and pushing everything up. Mm -hmm. That's great mm -hmm. too. <laughs> that's where our flooring have been pretty great, except for some of like where our flooring meets our shower right there there's yeah. you know no matter what we do with silicone everything um just for some reason we're not getting that perfect seal to the mm -hmm. shower and in the corners it starts to seep and then we got to cut the flooring out and re-pour it and um yeah I have to admit, one of the best things we did is take our epoxy and actually create the shower basins with the epoxy and run yeah. it about eight inches up the wall. And mm -hmm. it has, it's been a dream. It's easy to sanitize. It consistently looks nice. I am loving it, but awesome. oh, what a nightmare. You know, that's one of the things we're planning to do, but you got to plan for that and you got to shut down. You got to, you know, everything we're just talking about, especially cutting out a, a shower pan like that. Yeah. That's a... A big job. That's a bigger job, you yeah. know. So, good point. Mm. Maintenance. Maintenance. So, uh, uh, I, we've had flooring issues. We have. We did tile flooring. We wanted to to look kind of classy, and which was always a mistake because of the grip. And so, we've always had to lay towels and uh, you know teak bench, uh, not benches, but matting down and stuff like that to kind of work around that. And that's been fine, but. Um, you know, the polyurethane grout that we used was pretty good. It's just this, like you you mentioned, Lance, uh, we've got a 1904 building where it's it's uh, expanding and contracting throughout the year. And so it's not just like a great cement floor, which if we ever do another float center, I'm, I'm doing cement flooring. Um, because just over time, it's opened up gaps. Uh, and, and that's that's where the water gets in. That's where the salt mm -hmm. expands. So that's, that's become an issue. And so tile is breaking up and, uh, mainly in our floatarium room. If anybody like at the float conference wants to check out our, our room and see how, how it's breaking down, um, that would that'd be the one to check out. But, um, let's see here. So, um, I think when we replace that float tank will be the time that we actually, that room is just down for a while and we just completely strip up all the tile and, and redo it and we do the ultramarine again, which, which also means we'd be paying for a float tank and reflooring at the same time, which would be you know, uh, and quite the maintenance. From a, from a, if we had an invest, if we were doing a business, if we had an investor listening in on this right now and he's thinking, <laughs> should I invest in a float center right now? 
yeah, I'll just totally shut it down and just completely rebuild it. Just need an overall. It's like, you know, this is, this yeah. is, you know, when you, like Amy said, you build a mess. I'm going to start a massage studio. I'm going to have eight massage therapists. You build your rooms and hope that the little bit of massage oil doesn't really wreck the flooring. <laughs> no. So we're in a, a pretty unique industry and yeah. If that hasn't been clear yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. Uh, other other like smaller maintenance things pumps dying um we we don't have pumps die that frequently to be honest um like the one that i just replaced was with us the whole five years and it was already an older float tank so well, what tank tank maintenance that's a whole nother thing. oh shoot Building okay, maintenance. So, <laughs> oh no there's there's nothing wrong with talking about that too but just our, our tank maintenance that's handled you know a little bit different than building maintenance but have you guys ever found a caulk that truly doesn't bleed in any way um, and and is strong enough for Epsom salt? Uh, like a silicone or definitely caulk? yeah yeah well we've had we've had pretty good success with our silicones and our caulking that we've used we've had pretty good success with too it's non hardening oh, okay. non cracking um, non yellowing but I don't know why a lot of people have um, Issues with silicone. I do you guys have issues with silicones? Because um, I'm just yeah. Well, in in our um, again, Floatarium shower, uh, mm -hmm. I just feel like the it gets mold moldy or like this this color at least bleeds from it, and it doesn't happen in the other showers. And like in my shower at my house, you know, we we I know about caulking. You know, it's is not it, like is it um, sort of a blackish blackish bleed color that comes through uh, it's usually like a pink red pink red mm -hmm. okay i think i i think i may have noticed that in some of our showers um as well but that yeah i think i have seen some of that but that may be a good sign it's it's time to re-silicone right you know yeah. we're we're pumping you know with us if we're running floats all day we could be pumping uh, 14 showers a day in each of our float rooms. That's a lot of water that splashes on them. That's not your home shower. So yeah. <laughs> again, if you schedule, if you schedule every six months or one year, we're going to cut out all the silicone in the shower or yeah. float room X and um, re-silicone it. Well, that could save you some flooring in the future. Like it all breaks down to these, just like um, last week on the, the acoustic episode where we said it's all in the details. You know, it's, it's the details here with the preventative maintenance that end up saving you X amount of thousand dollars. Not doing it, but. Yeah, those are, those are really good points. And yeah, like you said, maybe it's just, it's just time. Uh, or I need to do it on a schedule and just, just upgrade, do maintenance. I guess that's what it's all about today, right? Um, I brought up the light switch uh, cleaning or cleaning, replacing a light switch today. Um, the, that Epsom salt. By the way, we talked about this on several, epi like months ago, but uh, this kind of rubber uh, clear stuff that can go over your light switches. I haven't been able to find that, so I didn't put that in the show notes, so I apologize for that. I know I've seen it before, but I can't uh, can't seem to find it. But anyway, um, people are touching those light switches, and I guarantee some of them have salty hands. I guarantee it, uh, so be careful with that, and um, you know, regularly open up those light switches and, and clean them out. Turn the power off. Clean them out. Uh, does anybody Has anybody had to paint, repaint before? Am I the only one? <laughs> that was last year's with the marine paint. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we had to repaint everything last year. Yeah. Everything. More than just touch up. Like, repaint. 
Um, my goodness. Our, <laughs> <laughs> ours has just been touch-ups, luckily. Um, the lower sections we've had some issues with. Um, or our mop buckets, <laughs> we sometimes run into walls. That may happen. And, uh, yeah, it's just mostly just been touch-ups for us. Nice. And um, mudding, having to fix little patches yeah. we do. Yep, yep. One nice thing that we did this last year, because we all hate painting so much, yeah. uh, we actually ran our epoxy up our walls, I believe it was eight inches, and then we mm -hmm. put four, uh, we put a, a sheet of FRP, four feet of S FRP, so we, do, we mm -hmm. don't have to um, <laughs> paint as often, which, uh, and also the lower part is where all the, really a lot of the moisture gets or where people are touching, yeah. mm -hmm. and it has it it's held up really beautifully and nice. uh, we have had to uh, re redo the corners, put some new FRP. I don't know what it's called. I am obviously not the maintenance person at my place, <laughs> but you know, the little strips <laughs> that go on the corners uh, we've, we've retouched some of those. We've put some new ones in, but it's been beautiful. No, I think you are using the right terminology, Amy. Um, for those that don't know, FRP means fiberglass reinforced panels. So they're basically little about eighth inch thick panels that are fiberglass that you can put to a wall. They're excellent for behind pump packs. If you put them on the wall, nothing's going to penetrate that. Nothing's going to get through. As long as you have a good seal around the edge, like right. we talked about, um, nothing should get there. So um, very handy, float center friendly for sure. Um, I recently just brought some FRP to work that I'd want to get up somewhere because it's, it's, it's just easier to work with. But again, you are dealing with, uh, are yours white, Amy, or are you able to paint them? Uh, no, we, uh, we, I actually ordered, I have gray ones cause our rooms awesome. are, have lots of gray. So awesome. we got gray, yeah, but, but you the white look lovely. Colors. Yeah. They look cl clean and. I don't know. Maybe some people might think it's a little too clinical, but they look great and they're easy to sanitize and easy to wash. Mm -hmm. Spray them down. So I might be one of those people who think it looks too clinical. So I'm I'm yeah, thinking um, about uh, expanding out where our tiles are just because tiles can just be stronger against all the Epsom salt and the corrosion and like you said, the painting. And, and like you mentioned earlier, the fumes, the fumes do last forever with when you're painting with the kind of stuff we use. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's just one more thing is, uh, uh, building, building out the tile and using the right grout so that, and sealing it properly. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else that you guys are finding <laughs> requires some, uh, some maintenance in your flow centers? For us, it's like we, we constantly have upgrades, too, we plan for. It's like when we start out, we, like most people, or a lot of people, I should say, we're on a budget, and we're only going to do a certain amount of things, and then as we move forward, we're going to, you know, do some soundproofing here, fix the HVAC here, upgrade this, and those things, too, take time. It's not only things that fail. It, it's planning for upgrades, planning to to be the best float center you can be, um, you know. So it's, it's things like that that's that end up getting you sometimes is it's all the upgrades you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we weren't fortunate enough, like our float center, we have probably a third of it developed, maybe closer to half of it developed. And then the other half is undeveloped. So we have lots of potential to grow, but that takes time and that takes money and investment and things and like take, that. So and then it'll, then it'll take maintenance. And it yeah. takes maintenance. Mm. <laughs> um, you guys have already mentioned this stuff, but like uh, the walls kind of liquefying or corners needing to be rebuilt has been an issue. And again, a flotarium room. 
and uh, some some tiles cracking. I already mentioned on the floors has, has been some stuff that we've had to do. And then there's also just so much paint involved in, in like the entire, I think we're, is it, ah, shoot, I can't think of our square footage at the moment. I, I've, I always know how much square footage we have. But anyway, um, something I, I want to do is, you know, every maintenance day, something gets painted so that basically the entire float shop is always being repainted. Uh, just because little little things happen, um, you know, little little flake of paint comes off, and I'm not even talking about the float rooms. I'm talking about the actual business itself, their handrails, all that kind of stuff. That I would love it if they were just every, maybe even every shift, uh, or at least on maintenance day, just a lick of paint, um, rather than one huge project where we have to close down. I don't know. That guy, that could definitely just be a fantasy, and it couldn't actually work out very well. But that's something that I've I've wanted to do. And do you guys have property? Do you have yards and stuff like that that you have to maintain? Heads are shaking no. We, well, good for you. we do. <laughs> um, it's not supposed to be maintained by us, but uh, Mark uh -oh. actually goes and trims all the bushes and goes out and, and uh, takes care of the snow, takes care of the... I don't <laughs> right. know. Our landlord just kind of forgot that <laughs> we have worked to. We finally had to call. We haven't called them at all. Um, and we finally called them about a month ago saying there was one of our, our lights, our outdoor lights on the side of the building went out and we couldn't reach it. And it, requ mm. it required a very special light. Um, it's the first time we called him and he came and he's like, oh, this looks really nice. Y'all are doing a good job. It's like, yeah, could you take that off my rent? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we do have some outdoor. And I know, Dylan, you, you seem to have quite a bit of out. In fact, I'm jealous of the fact that you have outdoor stuff to do because I always see Sandra pa uh, planting flowers and having this little garden going on. Which I'm supremely jealous of, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I'd love for her to hear you say that. Like, <laughs> you're jealous, but like, you know, there's taxes to be done. There's all the stuff that we're talking about right now. Like, all that stuff needs to be done. And then there's also a huge yard. Or not not a yard, but all the all these plants and stuff. So it looks really pretty, but it's really hard to maintain mm. consistently as well. And then it actually kind of requires like, I, I don't know, like. Uh, not every employee is going to be have a green thumb. I certainly would not be the one you want to send in to trim hedges, you know, or trim these bushes down a particular way. So, I, I'm sure most most businesses don't have to deal with all the foliage and all that stuff. But that's just one more thing that that requires work, and uh, our, our little lawn needs to be mowed too. So, is there anything else you guys want to share before we wrap up about our beautiful, beautiful maintenance? All right, guys. Well, um, again, we have, what is it? Uh, Marketing Planning Roundtable on May 17th. That's going to be a fun one. And uh, yeah, really excited about that. Beyond that, remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Art of the Float. 